myself a friend, someone I could believe in until the very end. I found myself the devil, he was sitting in a bar. He bought me 15 rum and cokes and then he went too far. Now the devil is my friend, the devil is my friend. Wherever I go, the devil goes, the devil is my friend. Guitar! Offending from whatever the plural of abyss is, aka podcasting from spare bedrooms across suburban and exurban Atlanta and Las Vegas. Welcome to the Godless Heathens Podcast, everybody. Thanks for listening. I'm Don. And I'm Michael from the Bible Says What the Podcast, filling in for Jeff, who I've been told is on assignment in Istanbul. And I'm not Ashley. This is a podcast by atheists that talks about a lot of things, not just atheism. We will challenge your assumptions and ours too. Definitely not here to preach to the atheist choir, but to critique, ridicule, and poke fun at anyone, especially ourselves. So join us as we examine the crossroads of politics and religion from the secular perspective. And remember, don't believe everything you hear on this podcast, or anywhere else for that matter, until you have independently verified it for yourself. In other words, duck, duck, go that shit. Got a little bit of housekeeping to take care of before we get into the show. Obviously, Jeff's not with us this week, and filling in as honorary heathen is Michael Wiseman from The Bible Says What. Welcome to the show, Michael. Thanks for having me. Appreciate the invite. So, Michael, you host the The Bible Says What podcast. Tell the listeners who may not be familiar with your show, uh, give us a little rundown. Give us the elevator pitch. What's, What's your show all about? Well, what I do willingly is I have conversations with religious leaders, pastors, authors, teachers about their religion, uh, mainly about the Bible. A lot of them try and dodge the Bible verses and, and, and the meanings in there, but I discuss their beliefs in the Bible and what it says, and the responses are fantastic. <laughs> That's mainly what it's for, is just to see what they know and challenge their beliefs. I got turned on to your podcast very early on. The way I described your podcast when somebody, uh, when I'm telling somebody about it, and they, you know, they, well, what's it about? Well, it's it's an atheist <laughs> talking to a pastor, trying to get them to explain where the love is from Yahweh in the Bible, because <laughs> Michael just doesn't see it. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> so true. So true. That Man, is that's probably like the-, the one question I've heard you ask more than anything else is. Where's the love? Where, show where, me where, the love. Show me the love. I had to send you a link to the old soulful song from the 70s, Where is the yeah, Love? Because yeah. I got in the habit of listening to your podcast while cutting the grass. And <laughs> <laughs> I would download it, go out, start the lawnmower, cut the grass. As I was listening to you, in the back of my mind, I would be singing the song, Where is the Love, over and over. <laughs> well, I did download it on the pod or on my uh, on my phone, and it was on random. So every once in a while, it still comes up. Where is the love? I hope That's you awesome. think of me when it does. <laughs> every time. <laughs> if you don't use that as a promotion for your podcast, like, <laughs> like what higher praise than Don listens to your podcast while Cutting the grass. Cutting grass. (laughs) A humming 70s yacht rock. (laughs) For the most part, your podcast was coming out on the weekends, either Saturday or Sunday, and that's when I cut the grass. So I would wake up, Podbean would alert me, boom, hey, there's a new uh, Bible says what? Well, I need to cut the grass anyway, so let's kill two (laughs) birds with one stone. (laughs) Might as well. (laughs) Yeah. 
podcasts are really good. That grass is like primo. <laughs> well, that guy's listening to a good podcast. <laughs> Neighbors kind of look at his lawn and go, he needs better podcasts. Let me suggest some for him. <laughs> now, this is the first episode that we've ever done from multiple locations. Now, that's not 100% true. It's the first episode we've ever done with more than one microphone. Put it that way. And it sounds like it. <laughs> nobody nobody can read the rundown, <laughs> stepping all over each other. You, you know, podcast listeners, you are in for a treat. If nothing else, this coronavirus is going to drag us into the 21st century, whether we like it or not, because we've always embraced our lo-fi approach to podcasting. Everybody's at their house and, and everybody's got their own microphone. And we're all all hooked up together and, and, and recording. And I've got multiple tracks going. I don't know what the hell is going on. I'm going to slug through this and try to put out the best product we can for you. One at a time. Jerry, if you want to start, what you drinking tonight? I, and so I'm kind of in honor of Jeff because he turned me on to this beer. I am drinking a, just another IPA, volume three. It is a double dry hopped double IPA from Cherry Street Brewing in Cumming, Georgia. Nice. I remember the name of that one. He's had that one on the show before. So here's to you, Jeff. There you go. And I got, unfortunately, Jerry's not here to read the name of the Italian wine for me so I can get the proper pronunciation. But it's, and I'm going to butcher this, I'm sure it's La Correa. I'm going with La Correa. That's about the best I can do. This is a Sangiovese type of Italian wine that I'm quite fond of. It's very good. I'm enjoying it a lot. And Michael? Tonight, I am not drinking beer. I have a, uh, <laughs> I have a cold cup of coffee. <laughs> you might regret that halfway through the show. <laughs> uh, maybe we'll maybe later. <laughs> uh, I got coffee, Cafe Busto, with a little bit of uh, what is it, French vanilla and a dash of chocolate creamer in there. It's delicious. Very nice. I've had a month in between shows, and obviously a lot has gone on in that month, kind of personally and worldwide pandemically but it is kind of the only thing you can talk about because there's so much going on you have to live in this if you're taking it seriously i think live in this state of low level paranoia and i noticed today that it's not like you got to do a lot it's you you got to <laughs> not do a lot you got to do a lot of other things that you don't necessarily know are working like yeah wash your hands 18 times a day but then like if you have a package come to the house the news story that you read that said that the virus can live on cardboard for 24 hours do you got to treat that box like it's raw chicken in the sink yeah or do you leave it on the front porch for 24 hours and it won't be there we had a big box sitting in the landing i made sure my hands didn't touch it when i dragged it out onto the porch and let it sit there for two days before I took it out to the recycling today with the trash. But you don't really know. You can assume you're doing the right, right thing if you don't get it. But if you do, is it because something you did? Was it just bad, dumb luck? <laughs> the best advice that I heard was to not go through your life thinking, I have to avoid contracting this. The mindset to operate under is, I have it. I am highly contagious. I don't hmm. want to spread it to anybody else. And and if you take that type of an approach, a containment type of approach, it's the best way. It's like the paranoid prepper, you know, 
this conspiracy theorist that's hiding in a bunker, he's living right now. His time has come. Yeah, you don't want to be the one that spreads it to somebody's grandma and gets them killed. You don't want to be that person. Exactly. I know my grandma had her birthday recently, and uh, she's quarantined in California right now. She's not leaving or going anywhere, having anybody come over or anything. And I was talking to her on the phone, and I, and I was like, what are you doing right now? And she says, I'm opening birthday cards. And then thinking, you went to the mailbox and then got these birthday cards from all over the United States. You know, she, we've got family all over, and she's just opening them up like it's no big deal. And I'm thinking, maybe you shouldn't be doing that. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I mean, just a little p- paranoid, maybe, but precautious. You have to. That's the low-level paranoia. Or assume that everybody is mailing you anthrax for your birthday. Uh, don't mail my grandma an anthrax, please. <laughs> <laughs> I talked to my mom in kind of a similar situation. Like, she's doing a good job of staying in the house, but you're going to get bored. Need groceries. You go out for groceries. When somebody gets within a hockey stick length of you, it's like, hey. Get off my back, virus man. It's like you're constantly on. And for me, believe it or not, as an introvert, that is exhausting. That is mentally exhausting for an introvert to be on all the time. Like, I can't do it. scary out there. Well, it's like my wife is still going back and forth to work. They haven't sent her to work from home yet. They, They will be here shortly, but she's still going back and forth to the office. And I've been working from home for about two weeks now. Pretty much have not left the house, but maybe two out of the Hmm. last 11 days. One was to go buy a microphone and take it to Jerry. I mean, I literally, I walked up, I told, I I texted him before I got to his house and said, I'm just going to leave it on the porch and I'll be gone. I'll let you know when I'm, when I've left. And I just happened to walk up right as his son was walking outside, just force a habit, extend your hand for a handshake. Hey, how you doing? I'm Don. You know, he's like coronavirus. I'm like, yeah, I was testing you and you passed. Good job. (laughs) My wife called me up the other day. She was going to go to the grocery store on the way home. She was and the grocery store is right by the house. She's like, you want me to swing by and pick you up? You ain't been out of the house in like four days. And I'm like, no, hmm. <laughs> I'm fine. I'm, I'm, I'm not dying for human interaction. I'm, I'm good. You go ahead and do what you need hmm. to do and come on home. I'm staying hunkered down. And you're going to for a while. We're going to be like this for a while, right? I mean, all the things that I've seen, even if we are able to push down the curve, like they're saying, which is to slow the spread so that it doesn't overwhelm the hospitals. It's going to spread, but if you can keep it lower, it'll peak later, but it won't be as high a peak. And the healthcare services should be able to withstand it as opposed to if everybody was still going back and forth to work and and going to football games or baseball games or whatever, you know, all the interaction would would help spread that much quicker that it would be a much higher spike. Even pushing it down like that, you're still looking at June or July for a peak. So, I mean, we're in this Hmm. for months. It's hard to surprise me these days, but I, I am surprised by the number of people that still keep saying, what's the big deal? It's only 3% deaths. The media is overblowing, blowing it. And and Don, I am I have adopted the kind of redneck voice <laughs> for a dumbass. So I'm going to chide myself for doing that. You're just doing a character who is a dumbass that happens to live in the South. That's all. <laughs> you know, I, I've ripped people for doing that. And now I'm going to rip myself for doing it. But they are all over social media. I don't know what's in those people's heads. It, it is definitely carried over or maybe even kind of promoted by churches. Yeah, absolutely. There's churches all over that are like actively defying it because I I don't know why. Because of Jesus. 
He's going to stand between you and the virus somehow. I, I don't understand the mentality of, I have an imaginary friend, and this friend's going to protect me from something that's in the air that's, or that's on a hard surface. But yeah, I've seen more preachers in the last two weeks where, like you said, openly defying, trying to get as many people in the service on Sunday as possible. One mega church in Louisiana had over a thousand people on a Sunday. I saw a link where there was a pastor in Arkansas, and it scared me for a second because they showed the picture. They didn't show the picture of the pastor in the article. They showed a picture of the church. And you thought it was a shepherd's not chapel. Not only did I think it was a shepherd's chapel, if it wasn't, I was like the same architect designed both buildings because it looked exactly like the shepherd's chapel. And I was thinking, holy shit, it's it's them. I looked at it on the map where, where the town was, and it's about halfway between Fayetteville and Memphis. They had a service and one of these defying the, the, the rules or defying the edicts of the secular government. And let's all come together in Jesus name and praise. And the pastor is now tested positive. The pastor's wife is tested positive, along with 30 parishioners of the church have all tested positive. And now that pastor is saying, this thing is no joke. Day late dollar short there, pastor. Two things about that. If they were paying attention, and they probably weren't, but one of the big hotspots in Georgia is in Albany. And as you know, Albany is not really close to anywhere. Not a huge town. Southwest Georgia, very Hmm. rural area. 90 minutes, hour outside of Tallahassee. Tallahassee is probably the closest town bigger than it. (laughs) Yes. It is a hotspot because of two funerals. And I assume they were church functions. So a large gathering is a large gathering, whether you're praising the Lord or at a heavy metal show. The other part is, why is it this issue that has turned churches and the religious right into like, fuck the man, I'm going to do whatever I want. You're not going to boss me around. I'm my own person. There's like this punk rock attitude, but against this. Like, we can't get sick? Why did they pick this to express their freedoms? I think they bought into the early rhetoric uh, of the Trump administration that... Is it, has it changed from the late rhetoric of the Trump administration? He's not calling it a, a liberal hoax or just the next thing. You know, they, they failed with the Russia probe. They failed with this. This is just the next bullet in the chamber that the Democrats are, are, are trying to take me out with. That all went away here recently. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that he kind of messed up by putting Pence in charge of, for, well, for two reasons. First, Pence doesn't <laughs> believe in science. So putting him in charge of a, a panel that's going to address this situation wasn't the best choice to begin with. But his own advisors, within a week of Pence having these daily press conferences with Dr. Fauci and the rest of these people, Trump's own advisors were telling him, you need to get out in front of this. Mike Pence is going to get all the credit for what the government's response is. And that's not going to help you come election time. You need to be the face of the government's you know, response to this. And he is. <laughs> and it's a dumb face. 
I'm hoping it's going to be his ultimate downfall. The early rhetoric when he was first coming out and saying, oh, it's nothing. You know, we we shut down travel from China. We had one guy that came in from China. He he had it and we shut it down and, and you know, we should be good now. And basically did nothing after that for about three weeks. And it just grew and grew and grew until the cat was out of the bag and it was too late. But I think a lot of these preachers kind of jumped on that kind of rhetoric and kind of swallowed that pill. And by the time they realized it was too late, they already made their bed and they'd already slept in it. And, <laughs> and you know, everybody around them, if one of them was infected, they were all infected. So they didn't believe it. And now they have it. There's nobody that preaches harder than the converted. So now all of a sudden they're going to take it super seriously. Their Bible teaches them that they're going to be okay, that, that Jesus is going to protect them, that, you know, Yahweh will let no harm come to them. Most of them believe that if they heal, they can heal the sick by just touching them with their hands. So, you know, they're going to stick it out and say, oh, no, and then they'll hit home. Once somebody becomes positive close to them, then it's like, oh, shit, it's actually here. Maybe we should listen. You know, that's a good point. I haven't seen anything specifically on the really hardcore Christian churches where they do lay, lay hands. And it's not Pentecostal, but what's, what do they call the speaking in tongues churches where they... Yeah, Pentecostal. Holy rollers. <laughs> oh, is it? Okay. Yeah. So, you know, you lay hands on somebody's face to heal them. That's a little trick Jesus played on you because that's a good way to get the virus. <laughs> yeah, no, the Bethel Church in um, California, they uh, stopped or suspended their faith healing uh, services inside the hospitals. That's fairly ironic, isn't it? Magic didn't work to begin with. It kind of tells you they have no faith in their healing abilities. <laughs> And it's funny that they would actually go to the ho to the hospital and do this. What type of patients were they, were they screening the patients that they would go in and try and heal first? They're not dealing with amputees. There's some cases that they they know from the get go. Yeah, we're we're not, we're not going in that. We're not going in room 405 because he's got this or he's got <laughs> that or whatever. You know that wasn't a unanimous decision either. We're going to stop our visits to the our faith healing visits to the hospital. You know, there's one or two people in there like. No way, man. This is our time. Some young kids, you know. It's not the leaders that, that are spreading the bullshit. It's it's the followers that are that are buying it or are the ones that are like pushing. It does it does make you wonder though why they quit. Well, through email uh, communications, I guess they told the newspaper people that uh, we believe that wisdom, modern medicine, and faith are meant to work together. So that's their response. I'm not sure. If we can just get rid of the faith part, everything will be fine. A little change of pace from the usual elevator pitch for them. So what percentage right. science and what percentage <laughs> faith? Can we can we get a number on yeah, that? Reality sets in, man, when it comes knocking on their door. Shows you. I just, it just seems like they really don't believe it themselves. You know, it just, it just proves that fact. Sure seems that way. But we do have to give credit to the Mormons. I'm sorry, the Church of Latter... The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Thank you. The latest prophet got a vision from God that God doesn't like is the term. Is that what it Mormon. is? Yeah, he wants to use the official term, Church of Jesus Christ oh, of Latter-day Saints. I'm going to start reading that one. According to them, probably, God just sent them a message by way of an earthquake. So, you know, he, he kind of grabbed them by the shoulders and shook them a little bit and said, hey, <laughs> wake up. The earthquake caused the trumpet of the angel Moroni at the top of the tabernacle in Salt Lake what? City to fall to the wow. ground? Correct. Wow. Correct. You know some Mormons were shitting in their magic underwear when that happened. Cosmic <laughs> significance to that. 
I have, yeah, I haven't looked at Mormonism in a while. <laughs> Sorry, celestial significance. I believe that's known as a sign. <laughs> but they shut wow. down all their temples today. The Mormons are mothballed for the time being. There's nothing wow. going on. I hope yeah. somebody's still washing the magic underwear. <laughs> Is there like one person that has that job to keep it holy and safe? Is there an online store where you can buy that stuff? Maybe used? <laughs> no. Slightly oh, used. No. <laughs> no. Could we, for Halloween, do, and it, it, this would just be, I love this, this idea already. sacrilegious beyond belief, but <laughs> you, you know, your costume are Mormons going to bed. You can't get into the temple if you're not Mormon. Can you actually buy the underwear if you're not? Are there special stores? Amazon. I, I, this, I swear, Somebody it's a serious Amazon. question. I bet you can Challenge on Amazon. Accepted. If there's, I, I tell you what, if magic underwear is available on Amazon, I'll buy both of you a pair. Deal. But you know what? I just, I just want you to type Mormon underwear into Amazon and Google. It's going to follow your ass for a week. You're going to get Mormon underwear ads on every page you go to. It's going to be awesome. I'm sure there is a specific branch of the Mormon church. I'm sorry, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. That is the underwear department, for lack of a better The things term. that pop uh, up it's, you know, not it's good. The division of undergarments or, or whatever they call it. Is that how they answer the phone? <laughs> division of undergarments. <laughs> I mean, it's the same thing. You can't, I mean, you can get a fake one, but you can't get a real priest's collar or a nun's habit at Nuns R Us or Amazon or any or anywhere else. You have to purchase that or it's a supplied to you, you know, through the Catholic Church. I kind of like the idea of Nuns R Us, though. That would be, a, I thought of that star. I want to look like Sally Field in the Flying Nun. Yeah, I would think that with the Catholic Church and the priests and the nuns, that since that's basically a job uniform, it's supplied for you. You might be right there. Uh, I would doubt that the nun has to buy that. I would think that would be supplied to them. But for your average everyday Mormon, I would think that's probably some sort of a revenue generating arm of the, of the Mormon Church, just like the sale of, of the Book of Mormon. There can't be a huge markup on Mormon underwear. It's a requirement. You're paying to cover the cost of shipping and handling and manufacturing at best. Do you think the fabric of Mormon underwear has advanced with the times? You, could you have like athleisure for Mormon underwear? Or is it like really rough hewn cotton like they wore back in the 1850s? It's made out of like burlap or <laughs> hemp or something. <laughs> Oh my God, that'd be awesome. I, you know, I don't think that uh, the Mormons are bidding against me undies for that modal cotton, you know, that's so soft against your balls. Probably made of the same basic cotton cloth that, that it's always been made from. eBay has it. eBay? How much is a pair of Mormon underwear on eBay? And it, it, this has to be used. This is not. That's like some <laughs> sick fetish. <laughs> I'm sorry for anybody who actually has that fetish. It's not a sick fetish. It's yeah, your yeah. thing. You go do your thing. A Mormon LDS soft men's long leg boxer brief size small. US $39.99. $39.99 for one pair of shipping. boxer briefs. It's like a onesie, right? They look like really comfortable basketball shorts. I don't know. They're really weird. I thought so too. Yeah, I thought it was like a t-shirt and, and boxer shorts all in one. I think we need to talk to a Mormon. (laughs) 
I, I, you know what? If we could actually talk to a Mormon about their underwear, that'd be the best podcast we've ever done. I'm going out on a limb. I'm thinking it's a scam. Somebody's just selling Fruit of the Loom, and they just took a Sharpie and put a cross on it, and they're selling it to rubes that don't know what Mormon underwear really looks like, like us. Who do you think the purchasers of this are? Like, do you think they're Mormons that are trying to get a deal? Or is it somebody, people on this podcast that are just like all of a sudden fascinated with Mormon underwear and want a great Halloween costume? I vote fetish. But let's say that the coronavirus is gone by Halloween and we can, you can have big parties. Because, as, by the way, that's something that's going to happen. Because as soon as it's kind of all clear, people are going to, like, get their collective oh, yeah. freak out. Oh, like you've never you know, seen before. Hard. I mean, every yeah, day will be Mardi Gras. So if you're on a Halloween and there's three or four of you in Mormon underwear at the party and you run into Mormons, how do they look at <laughs> oh, you? Oh, not good. Not good at all. No? You don't think they would have a sense of humor about it at all? <laughs> First of all, they're kicking themselves because they had that costume in their drawer <laughs> the whole time and never even thought about it and went over to Party City and got that Dracula mask and spent money that they didn't need to. <laughs> uh, the description on this one for the women's underwear says only endowed members of the LDS church are authorized to purchase or wear these. So they definitely might get pissed ah, off seeing us wearing them. There you go. So you got to commit. Can we wear them like on the outside of our pants, like superheroes, but like Mormon superheroes? Oh, Mormon cape. So like, it'll be like the, the, the Mormon, Mormon Bible man. will be the cape. This is great. <laughs> Anybody want to go to Salt Lake? <laughs> you have to say that you're a legit member of the church. If not, you're lying and under fault. So they probably would get pissed. Don't anger the Mormons. There's probably a serial number sewn into the underwear somewhere. Oh, I hope if you so. get caught wearing it and you're not Mormon, they can trace it back to who it was originally oh, yeah. sold to in the church. An RFID sensor on it. And, you know, when you get the underwear, you automatically get put in their ancestral <laughs> database. And that's how they check you. Don, I'm telling you, technology is going to screw us off. You, you will be baptized into the Mormon faith, whether you like it or not. There are going to be a, a couple of young men in white shirts and black ties, but it's going to be like the offensive linemen from Brigham Young. They're, they're not there to, to change you. They're there to put a whoop ass on the person who's wearing the underwear. Like, I don't want those guys on my porch. Like, hey, you can have the underwear. I just thought it was funny. Uh, still a great idea, though. By the way, that was not on the rundown. No, we completely covered that section of the rundown where it said, talk about woman underwear for half an hour. <laughs> <laughs> so scratch that off. Um, I actually ha- I actually have more Mormon underwear questions. <laughs> for real. Do you have to earn the Mormon underwear? Because you have to earn certain things. Don, you were Catholic. You really didn't get to fully participate until you were confirmed. Or you have a bar mitzvah. There's certain sacraments that you have to go through. So kids can do it? Or do you got to do the mission trip? Is it like the version (laughs) of an Eagle Scout? Like you've done everything. Like you don't just join the church and say, hey, where's my underwear? Otherwise, people would just fill out a car, get the underwear and say, I'm out of here. I think they just give it out because it's. I think it's meant to protect, isn't it? Like it's supposed to keep them safe while they're sleeping from demons. Yeah, I would think that the kids that come and knock on your door that you see riding the 10 speeds around with, with the ties on, I would think they would have that underneath what they're All currently the wearing. You're not going to send your 17 or 18-year-old kid out in the world on a mission trip without you know protective underwear. Got to have their sword and their shield. 
they come knocking on your door. Don, <laughs> the first question of you, middle-aged guy, when two 21-year-old man boys are on your porch, your first question can't be, what kind of underwear are you wearing? They will send the police. Guys, guys, I'm really interested in your message, but I'll show you my underwear if you show me yours. Oh, yeah. Even better. I wonder at some point if those guys have body cameras and they want them recorded to see how good they are at trying to convert people. I mean, it would be against the law in some places, but that'd be a good TV show. Extreme Mormonism. Oh, God, yeah. (laughs) An hour of body cam footage of Mormons knocking on doors would be, you know, must-watch TV. Daytime. Definitely daytime. That that might not be bad. So I don't think they have the underwear. You know, I think they do. I'm going with they do. I, I would think that as a good Mormon, I would not want to send my child out into this devil-infested world <laughs> without his protective underwear for a two-year mission? Oh, no, he's got to have the underwear. Got to. If that's the case, I feel bad for the guys down here in July. I honestly thought the underwear was more like uh, like their pajamas. You take it off for a shower and for <laughs> pre-approved marital relations. Do you guys get a lot of Mormons out there? Is there an official approved list? What's on that list? And to answer your question, we we don't get a lot of Mormons. I see them from time to time. Funny story. It happened in, in North Georgia. There is a placard along the side of the highway where you can read the story about it. The first Mormon mission to ever be in Georgia was murdered in Varnell, Georgia, extreme Northwest Georgia. Very on brand for Georgia. Yes. He uh, And the story behind it was that 20 men from Varnell confronted the, the Mormon mission. And one of them, in the middle of their argument, pulled a pistol and shot the guy in the face Damn. and killed him on the spot. Before the sheriff... Now, this happened in like probably hmm. early 1900s. I can't remember the year. I'll have to look it up. North Georgia mountains were very different in the early 1900s. Before the sheriff was able to get to the scene, the other 19 gentlemen that were there all pulled their pistols and shot the dead body in the face so they could not prove which gun killed him. And nobody was. Is that the funny part? <laughs> That's the funny part. Yeah. yeah. That, that, oh, hmm. <laughs> just, just a barrel of laughs. <laughs> It's a little break in that Mormon underwear conversation. Talk about 20 bullets to the face. There's a Wikipedia page uh, about the whole story. that I I looked up one day and was reading about it. Poor guy. So, you know, tough for Mormons here in in Georgia. (laughs) I don't live too far from a Mormon church. Is it a tabernacle? Are they all tabernacles? We have had this discussion before. Tabernacle is in Sandy Springs, like the, the big one, the, the monster one, the yeah. big one, the one that that we can't go to. How far is the church from you? Four miles, and the bike riding missionaries—they're <laughs> just peppering your neighborhood. <laughs> There's a big Hispanic community in Roswell, and I don't think they're trying to convert 
people in gated subdivisions. There's a big Hispanic community, and that's who I think that they target. There's a lot of churches that are targeting Hispanic communities throughout America and Polynesian communities in in the Western United States because these cultures have a much more family-centric society, basically, where the family plays a much larger part in in the day-to-day lives of of the members of of these communities more than they do the the white community or the black community or or some other communities where the, not only is it the the Mormons, but Seventh-day Adventists and the Jehovah's Witnesses and Scientologists as well too, are all trying to get their claws into these communities because not only do you have the religious institution pressure, but you also have the family pressure. If you can get the whole family going to the church, when one of them tries to leave, it's almost impossible because they're getting the pressure from all different sides. Right. That's where a lot of the outreach from these just, just like every other religion with with declining numbers being what they are, they're planting their seed where the, where the ground is a little more fertile, so to speak. Unfortunately. Are you getting a lot of people that, that come by and knock on your door? Never. Okay. Because I'm going to say, I've never, I've never had a Mormon knock on my door. They built a Jehovah's, a Jehovah Witness congregation, Freedom Hall, I think they call them, not far from me about two years ago. I've seen them come through the neighborhood a couple of times. Like one time after, it was like right after, it's a couple of years back, we had the hurricanes when uh, when Trump was down in Puerto Rico, you know, uh, taking uh, three-pointer shots with rolls of paper towels. Hurricane Maria, like after the, after the hurricanes that hit Puerto Rico and the ones that hit um, Houston and some of the other areas, we had somebody knock on our door from the Jehovah's Witness Church and they were passing out what looked to be a like disaster preparedness guide, something along those lines. That was kind of the that was kind of their in. But on the back of it, you could see where it said Watchtower Publications. See, I uh, I kind of scooted them out pretty quickly, but I never have I had a Mormon come knock on the door. But I do see them in and around this area, mostly on bicycles in pairs. You know, going from like one neighborhood to another or whatever. Yeah, I get the Jehovah Witnesses. There's a temple down the way. I don't know if it's called a temple. I don't know what they call those things. Freedom Halls, I guess. Yeah. They definitely come down my street. Uh, they used to stop by. I had this creepy old guy with really long fingernails come a couple times. He stopped coming after, after a few arguments. I don't know. He just... He just... <laughs> Did you ask him what kind of underwear he had on? John would. I... I ask everybody that comes through the door what kind of underwear. I mean, if you're delivering a pizza, I want to see your underwear. (laughs) If so, I want to see your underwear. (laughs) No, they don't come anymore, man. I think we know what Don's kink is now. You're going to walk in the door and say, boxer briefs, maroon. Well, at at this recording, we have not been fully locked down, leaving it up to local experts. The mayor of Atlanta issued ahead of the governor of Georgia, a stay and shelter order for the city of Atlanta. Unfortunately, it does not include either public parks or what's referred to here in Atlanta as the Beltline, which is a, how would you, how would you describe the Beltline, Jerry? Kind of a walking trail of bars, actually. Well, that sounds great. Oh yeah, it's awesome. It, it is great. 
it's not great when you're not supposed to have groups of 10 or more. Yeah, it shouldn't be open <laughs> right now. It shouldn't be. But yeah, it's like a biking trail, hiking trail that runs in throughout Atlanta and hits some of the like really cool eclectic neighborhoods and where some of the really neat bars and That's restaurants awesome. and stuff are. Yeah. But, yeah, breweries. Yeah. Great. But if you Holy go down shit. there on a Saturday, it's, I mean, you're shoulder to shoulder as far as the eye can see. It's insane. You know, if it's sunny this Saturday, can you imagine what Piedmont Park's going to look like? It's going to be a madhouse. I hope maybe there again, you know, hoping. I would like to think that it is not going to be crowded and that the Beltline's not going to be crowded hmm. because it really, though, it doesn't seem that freaking difficult. Just stay inside for a while. Don't go out. You think about it as a, and the problem here in Atlanta, the, the weather this like this last week, other than like one day has just been like amazing. It's like spring is here. Other than the pollen, what a great time to be in Atlanta. And it's a tease The the weather's so nice, you can't go out. But it's like, think of the sun and 75 degrees as this huge storm. And you have to stay inside during the storm. Hmm. Because if you don't think of it that way, I, it's a beautiful day. I'm going to go for a walk or I want to go to a park or I'm going to go to the Beltline and hit Monday Night Brewing. And, you know, like it's perfect time to be in Atlanta. But yeah. Stay in, let the storm pass, but it doesn't seem like enough people are doing it. People aren't listening. That That's going to be the half the issue there is nobody's actually sheltering in place. Like you said, it's a nice day. Vegas, man, we got sunshine. Everybody's going to go to the lake. Everybody's going to go to the parks. It's, it's packed. People are everywhere. What are they doing in Vegas for it? Like how seriously? We've got the strip is shut down. The strip uh, Fremont is shut, shut down. down. Yeah. Yeah, strip is shut down. They got uh, boarded up casinos and shit. It's it's real over here. Wow. But uh, they, they've shut down the non-essentials. Uh, grocery stores and stuff are still open. Just little things here and there. But it, it's it's real. Okay, I mean, so they here. mandated it then. Yeah. That's kind of the what you have to do. But but nobody's listening. That's the that's the problem. You know, is they're not going to work. It's a beautiful day out. Just like you said. You know, they're just. They're just going out in hordes. Walmart's packed. It's a scary place, man. I don't know. I went out to get groceries last week. It's just it's it's a whole nother whole nother world. Whole nother world. I mean, they're no, announcing I'm not going anywhere near a Costco. No, 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 no. Yeah, no. Smaller grocers and then meat meat marts. I saw. I think it was in Denmark. Somebody took a picture inside a, a grocery store, a convenience store, drugstore, whatever, where. They put red dots on the ground about I saw that. Wow. Every six to eight feet. And that's where you stand if you're the next person in line. They're making the decision now as we tape. <laughs> tape or as we record, because there is no tape. <laughs> and you were about to correct me on that, weren't you? <laughs> tape. <laughs> and by the way, if we're gonna if we're gonna do this, if we're gonna correct each other, then game on. <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> But you you jumped on me so fast, I couldn't even correct my mistake. (laughs) So they made the decision here to close schools until April 27th, which that is freaking ridiculous. Like, seriously, they quit like the second weekend of May. Seniors are usually doing finals the first week of May, and then they're done. Just say it. School is canceled for the rest of the year. It's only two or three weeks tops. What do they want to do? Just bring everybody back, have some sort of mock final exam, and then just go from there? Yeah. 
They're just giving you hope. Hey, if you're a senior, congratulations, you've graduated. If you're a junior, you're now a senior. It's it's everybody, just move everybody up. Make them take online tests or do something. But to say the April 27th, do you honestly think that by April 27th that things are going to pass? We won't hit the peak by April 27th. We will still be in an upward curve uh, on April 27th. Even if you're halfway down the curve, that's still... 30 or 40,000 from this moment, by the time everyone hears this, we'll be well over 100,000. Mm-hmm. Every what? Every two to three days, the number of cases and death is doubling. Do you think like every in April, we're going to be back like, oh, let's go to the brewery. You know, everybody's at school. We don't have to worry. There's no <laughs> chance. And by the way, I will be happy to admit I am wrong for the podcast, you know, in a month from today almost. But no way. Through May, probably halfway through the summer, if we're lucky. And it's like we have this almost uh, religious belief that somehow it's not really going to be as bad as they say it's going to be. Like, nah, we probably should be thinking how how extendedly shitty it's going to be and just get over the fact that that's the way it's going to be as opposed to these like consistent disappointments like nobody wants to say how shitty it is like oh we're gonna go back april 12th oh another government says oh we're gonna go back on april 27th and mississippi says oh fuck it come back on monday (laughs) (laughs) he said that well they're not the most scientifically literate down there in mississippi so they're open for business man that's sad this moment you know he's like they are people need to get back to work that we haven't even seen the worst in florida Florida's going to be a shit show. When it hits, it's going to hit hard. Really hard because their governor is a moron. Look at New Orleans. New Orleans right now is the fastest growing epidemic worldwide for the coronavirus. They, Their numbers are going up at a higher rate than anywhere else in the world right now. Because Mardi Gras was February-ish. It moves around each year because it follows the Lenten calendar and it has to do with moon cycles and all that other bullshit. But when Mardi Gras was happening, you know how New Orleans is during Mardi Gras. It's a madhouse. You're packed in like sardines in the middle of the street. Forget the bars. It's it's just a sea of humanity. And we were still at the, you know, it's probably a good idea if you wash your hands for 20 seconds kind of a stage in this whole crisis when, when that thing hit was going on. And... A lot of people unknowingly took coronavirus home as a souvenir from New Orleans. Hmm. It Now it's you know going everywhere, but just in New Orleans itself, it's spreading at a much faster rate than it is anywhere else right now. What happens in New Orleans does not stay in New Orleans. <laughs> if the Strip in Vegas can shut down, anything can. Right. And everything should. Yeah. Pretty scary. A, a discussion that started at Mormon Underwear. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. I mean, we walked into the room with a plan. We we had a specific plan of what we were going to talk about, and that went right out the window. Basically, go down rabbit hole after rabbit hole. You fit right in. (laughs) That's my podcast is full of that. (laughs) Well, thanks for joining us and and becoming a true honorary heathen because you fit right in. I appreciate it. I'm not sure that's really a compliment. (laughs) I'll take it. (laughs) We're going to work from that premise. (laughs) Thank you. 
So there was a, a priest in northern Italy. I think it was northern Italy. Lombardo? Lombardi with a Y. It's okay. pronounced differently, too. Not really. <laughs> um, so it was one of those, and I almost said it, viral news sensations. He was in his, I think, early 70s or late 60s, but famously gave his respirator to one of his younger parishioners. And guess what? He died. So the crux of the story is what a great guy. He's a priest. He gave up his respirator so somebody else could live. What a selfless life this priest lived. You know, he was really living his faith. And it turns out that he actually gave the respirator away because he really didn't like using it. It didn't really work for him, either physically or just didn't ha- just didn't want it, gave it away, and ended up dying. Not so selfless, doesn't fit into people's idea of faith, different story. Guy died, not because he was selfless, because he didn't like it, and he died, arguably, because it's like, dude, you need to wear the respirator or you're going to die. And that reminds me of, um, reminded me of Cassie Bernal, who was uh, killed in Columbine, allegedly, after one of the two perpetrators asked her if she believed in God. She said yes, and then he killed her. Well, so that went like wildfire through the religious community, especially the evangelical community. Because she was willing to die for her faith. Absolutely. It was presented in a way that if she'd have lied and said, no, I like Satan, he probably would have let her live. Right. And the story is not true. Very similar to the selfless priest. Look, it doesn't make it any less tragic that she was killed in her school in a a shooting that unfortunately set the tone for a lot of other ones. But it wasn't this religious heroism that it was portrayed at, kind of like the priest. And that goes into my recommendation. The book is old, but everybody should read Columbine. I, I know I've advocated for it in the past, but terrific book. To this day, a lot of insight. Not the feel-good book of the year, for sure. I mean, even if it's real, like this is real, like she really did die for her faith. The idea to, to die for your faith and to begin with, I don't get it. What Your deity is going to be okay if you just tell a little lie to this one person just so you can stay alive and spread the good news some more or some shit. It just doesn't make any sen- sense for a loving deity to want this kind of thing. Where's the love? Show a little love and you're alive. Where's the love? If there was a God and you died in that type of a situation and you went to heaven, the first thing Jesus is going to say is, what the fuck, dude? Why didn't you say no? (laughs) Why didn't you just lie, man? (laughs) I know your heart, right? I know your mind. That's what he's supposed to do. So it doesn't make any sense. We have people of faith, very religious people that listen to this podcast. And not one of them are going to be happy with Don quoting Jesus saying, what the fuck? (laughs) He never even said WTF. That's a direct quote, but it's from one of the Gnostic Gospels. So, (laughs) Don, two, three. (laughs) Ah, That is my recommendation. Columbine by Dave Cullen, The Valhalla Murders on Netflix, and Season 3 of Babylon Berlin on Netflix. Okay, hold on. What what is Valhalla Murders? What is that? The Valhalla Murders are eight-part series, um, murder mystery, set in Reykjavik. Sign me up. You know, if they're doing it too in Reykjavik uh, or in Iceland, I'm watching it. But it's a good mystery thriller. And if you are an Iceland nerd like me, that's like two things 
that, you know, like, I can't wait for the next one. Plus, season three of Babylon Berlin, it is set right before the Nazis take power in Berlin when the German economy kind of crashes. It's big budget. Hey, you know what? It's a murder mystery, but awesome show. Big budget. Can't recommend it enough. Great TV. I've never heard of it. I'll check it out. My recommendation, sticking with your Netflix season three theme, tomorrow night, the third season of Ozark on Netflix drops the entire season. Just as soon as I can get this thing edited on Saturday, I'm going to be waist deep in the third season of Ozark. Well, we're talking about that uh, um, in chat at work today. I can't wait. If you have not seen Ozark, it's one of the, the best things available on a streaming service. And the nice thing about it, at least for us, is it's filmed literally right around where we live here in in, um, in northeast Georgia. The lake that most of the scenes are shot at are at Lake Altoona, which is, as the crow flies, out my back door, about a quarter of a mile walk through the woods. They film some of it over at Lake Lanier as well, too. But, but there's a lot of scenes that they shoot at in and around this area that I recognize. Oh, that's the crossroads of these two streets. And that's the little bar and marina area th- that they use. That's literally just a couple miles from the house here off Bell's Ferry. It's a great show, but I also it has a second layer to it because I, I recognize a lot of uh, local places that, that I drive by all the time. That's pretty cool. If you haven't checked out Ozark yet, like I said, season three drops this this uh, Friday night and uh, catch up. First two seasons are just absolutely amazing. Netflix, you said? Yeah, it's on Netflix. So you obviously recommend your own podcast. Do you have any other recommendations? Well, put me on the spot here. I'd say I started Disney Plus and I'm going back to the old uh, Marvel cartoons I used to watch as a kid. So that's kind of fun to go through the Spider-Man. Um, they've got uh, Silver Surfer, X-Men, all that shenanigans. So that's kind of fun. Good to go back to. Passes the time. You can do a bunch of other things while it's going on. So, you know. And I have Disney Plus and I didn't know they had those. Oh, man. Yeah, I went searching through there. There's a lot of good stuff. I'm using this time of being sheltered in place to catch up on all the shows that I started and they kind of fell by the wayside and I never finished for about the last week or so. I've been binging the second and third seasons of The Leftovers on HBO, which I saw the first season and I read the book Uh, when I first saw the previews of the show. Uh, It looked very interesting, and I found the book, and I read the book before season one started. And season one basically follows the book. The last scene in the last episode of season one is basically the last scene in in the book. I love it when they do that. The second and the third season have kind of taken the idea and kind of taken it an extra step. The second and third season, I'm about halfway through the third season now. I'm trying to knock this out before Ozark drops this weekend because I want want to finish this before I start on Ozark. But it has been literally a, and I know you've, you've watched it, Jerry. Season two and season three are a total mindfuck. Bot damn time that you have watched that. <laughs> that show is awesome. It's amazing. I there was an episode that during the second season. I don't spoil. I don't want to raise you know give anything away. Uh, so really, no spoiler alert. But there was a there was an episode involving the hotel. And if you know, if you've seen season two, you know what I'm talking about. That was the mindfuck of all mindfuck episodes. 
And since that episode, there have been at least two episodes that I've seen that have been as good or at, or better when it comes to that type of an episode. Uh, they just keep doing it over and over again. So tell us how great this episode was or wasn't by emailing us at godlessheathens at yahoo.com <laughs> or Jimmy, the social media intern, and his Twitter post at Godless Podcast. He's been pretty feisty lately. You could join the Godless Heathens podcast discussion group if you're on Facebook and giving all your information to the man. It is closed, hidden, and private, but if you're nice, Don will let you in. Patreon, you have to search us because we say fuck, and and I did today, so it's my bad you can't find us on Patreon. I apologize to the accounting department. I want to talk about that for a little bit um, because this is something that I just found out this last week, actually by listening to another podcast and they were talking about it on that. And it was something that I had no idea that this was the case. If you go to patreon.com and you search for a podcast or a, a YouTube creator or, or anything like that, if that person creates content that is considered to be explicit. You cannot search for them. Their account is unsearchable on Patreon. So if you go to Patreon, you type in Godless Heathens, it will not come up. If you type in Godless, there's a bunch of things that come up. Godless Spellchecker, Godless Bitches, Godless Engineer. There's a lot of podcasts and YouTube channels that will pop up but we will not. If you type in heathens, there's talk heathen. There's a bunch of different accounts that will pop up, but ours will not. The only way that you can find our Patreon account is to Google or DuckDuckGo or Bing or whatever search engine you use to actually type in the words godless heathens Patreon, and that'll take you directly to our page. And we literally have not even mentioned Patreon in the last 62 episodes that we've done. We put it in the show notes. Any help you feel that you can give is more than appreciated, but we haven't really pushed it. But the fact that Patreon is kind of fucking us on this, where just because, like I said, we say the word fuck and, and we delve into subject matter that isn't exactly kid-friendly. Adult topics. Exactly. We are unsearchable by a, a service that is set up strictly to help content creators like ourselves get connected with patrons. If you're a fan of certain type of content, you should not be censored in being able to locate that content. This is your topic, like the preachers that said, I am not going to stand down during a virus, man. You have that same level of umbrage <laughs> you're mad that how dare you censor me because i said the f word who are you patreon i, I got one drum and i am pounding on it <laughs> hard it still isn't going to get us found no, no. so you are you are bitching in an algorithm oh, no i no. i am yelling into the void <laughs> it's a huge waste of time but we are going to start shouting out the Patreon a little bit more on, on the podcast. Podcast has lost its edge, man. We used to celebrate being banned by YouTube. <laughs> now we're like all pissing and moaning that some tech company is giving us a hard time. We ought to wear it as a badge of honor, man. We did pick up one follower. Jimmy emailed me and let me know that we did pick up a single follower this week on our um, Twitter account. 
And they messaged us and told us the only reason they're following us is because we've been banned by Ken Ham on Twitter. Yes. Wow. That that billboard blocked me. That one eight hundred truth or Bible truth or whatever the shit it is. Yeah, they, I've been blocked from that long time, long time. Now all I get is a message about a airplane or a helicopter pilot or something with an engine down. I can't talk wow. to anybody anymore. They won't let me. <laughs> I see those billboards all over. You know, you have to you have to drive probably a good half hour outside of Metro Atlanta before you start seeing those billboards. But after a while, you're going to see one about every 10 miles or so. They are everywhere out here. Are they? Everywhere, man. It's ridiculous. How many QAnon billboards are there? I haven't seen any of those. So there's one on I-75 in Dalton, which is wow. probably... 60 miles from the abyss, a very high traffic road goes from Miami all the way to Mackinac Island in Michigan. It is a long road and there is a giant QAnon billboard and it's been there for months. That's crazy. Wow. I haven't seen that one. Uh, Yeah. Next time I'm up there, I'm going to have to take a look at it, but we digress. Uh, iTunes, subscribe and leave five stars. Now we realize that your ratings and your reviews really don't mean nothing. We enjoy reading the reviews. Don't do it for us. We ask you every week. Do it for our guest. Yeah, absolutely. He really wants you to do it. So do it for him. (laughs) Do you guys get those one star, one star ratings from Christians? Yeah, we're not very popular. (laughs) Me neither, but I still get them. (laughs) Mike, who should follow you? Who should the next guest be one of your guests that like hung up on you oh, and man. like won't give you the email anymore like who should we have on the podcast other than jesus or andy stanley well i think you should definitely have a mormon on next oh absolutely oh right yeah I, i'm gonna look for one now because i gotta ask them what kind of <laughs> underwear they're wearing if that doesn't get us banned from patreon i'm not sure what will <laughs> they talked about underwear for like a half hour it was insane before we sign off here, I got one more question for you. How's the book coming along? <laughs> well, I've got two more chapters left to fix and proofread, and then I'll start the process of um, finalizing it and, and getting it uh, published and whatnot. Thinking about Amazon, but uh, look forward to being finished. <laughs> and, and thank you for coming on, and totally. uh, we'll, we'll join you to the ranks of honorary heathens that have joined us on the show in, in the past. And I'm, I'm going to extend it. an open invitation. Anytime you want to come back, let us know. Always welcome. Love to. This has been a blast. Thanks, guys. Thanks again. And we'll see y'all in two weeks. My gun, he made me mad. The devil's bad. The devil is a bomb, but the devil is my friend. The devil is my friend. Wherever I go, the devil goes. The devil is my friend, and Godzilla is my friend. Godzilla is my friend. Wherever I go, Godzilla go. Godzilla is my friend, and Shrinko was my friend, and Bridget was my friend, and Andrew Bob he just popped up now. Gorbachev is my friend, and Francis Nature is my friend. Francis Wherever I go, Sinatra goes. Frankie is my friend, and love and rockets are my friends. Love and rockets are my friends. Take